Hi, if I could take a moment of your time before we start. If you've enjoyed previous episodes or if you enjoy this episode, if you could subscribe on the platform that you listen to, that would be really helpful. It helps us get more guests and push the podcast forward. Thanks. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. <laughs> hi hi everyone welcome to the car chat podcast and with me today i have sam i've seen through glass i'm waving Hello. like people can see me but it's obviously a podcast isn't it so <laughs> it's like that kind of awkward thing where you have to say something so people know i'm actually here <laughs> so sam was on the podcast i was looking back when it was it was march 2020 no way was it just it was, just before it all kicked off it must have been because it was in person and it that was definitely wasn't illegal or anything. No, I mean, no, it was in person. It was, I'll say it's quite close as well. I mean, we, we were sitting right next to each other. I was lucky neither of our partners walked in. Um, but yeah, no, there was definitely not a huge concern, which we probably should have been concerned at the time, but none of us knew what was coming, did we? No, I think at this point in time, it was like everyone else's problem. Not yeah, ours. yeah, it was like, oh, that, that seemed to be the attitude. It's never going to get here. It's in China. Who cares? <laughs> and then oh we should have cared and then everywhere yeah yeah so for those that don't know sam or seen through each glass as he is known online what do you do <laughs> just question. as a little a little summary i always say to people and maybe i said this on the last episode I, i'm a bad ripoff of top gear so so think of all the challenges the road trips the adventures that's what i'm trying to uh, replicate on my channel in a very budget and half-assed way I, I i'm i'm a car channel but i don't like to think of myself as a journalistic channel I guess right. we're going to get into the fact that unfortunately, because of everything going on in the world, I've ended up doing lots of car reviews, but that's not why I got into the game. It was to be, yeah, a version of Clarkson where I got to go on huge trips with my mates in cool cars. 
Have you never planned on doing any car reviews? Oh no, and I hate doing them now. Like it's, I, yeah, I, I never, <laughs> I never got. I'm not a journalistic kind of guy. Firstly, I don't have the vocabulary. I've never read a book in my life, um, and so I just don't know how to get words out of my mouth. And then also yeah. like phrases and sayings, I always get them wrong. Like you know, another string from my tree. <laughs> um, and so yeah, having to review a car, I'm like, this is too much pressure. So yeah, all I wanted to do was go places, do cool things with cars. And if I'm like, oh, wow, it sounds amazing. Or wow, it feels so quick. Cool, like cool anecdotal information. But what I hate doing, which is what I've ended up doing the last 18 months, is yeah, go for a test drive on a road and go, oh, the best thing about this car, the worst thing about this car. Because I don't know, it's, it's it's not what I wanted to do, but it's what I've ended up doing. It's tricky, isn't it? I... That, that one about saying the, the wrong things. I had someone, I spoke to someone recently and they kept using the phrase, how long's a piece of string? But they kept using it at the, like completely the wrong time. And every time they said it, I was like, you're an idiot. Like, can someone just, t- I'm not going to tell you because I'm not yeah. an asshole. But like, you need to stop using this because everyone keeps thinking it's really weird. I feel like um, Ron Burgundy, you know, like, you know, when in Rome, uh, you know, I just like constant. And when I, as I'm saying them, I'm like, that's not right. But I'm going to have the confidence to roll with it that hopefully no one will really notice. Um, but because yeah, I'm on yeah. social media, everyone does. So yeah, <laughs> I, I haven't got away with it. Oh, that's a, let me turn my WhatsApp off because that's going to be incredibly rude for all of us um, yeah exactly but showing how popular i am slash hi mum yeah turn my phone off so did you get a coffee in the end i got a coffee so so those that don't know uh i moved into a studio last year uh in brentford which is still on the same site as the duke of london uh who i don't really know how we describe but i let's let's say a classic car dealer um but but it's so much more than that but but also here is a very amazing bakery slash cafe which oh, is great because i get barista coffee you know, whenever I need it or want it, but it's bad because they pump me full of croissants. I mean, literally, you cannot go in there and not buy a breaded good, uh, which means my weight gain since moving into the studio has been quite horrific, but but the coffee is here and, and it's gains. good. Gains, yeah, the wrong kind of gains, the gains you don't want to make, but I'm calling it like zombie protection syndrome or whatever you want. I feel like I, I'll live off this blubber at some point, so might as well pack it on. So, you've, mo- so you've moved into a new studio space. Now, weirdly... When we met in March, yeah. I think I had a space at Duke of London. And I think I and think then, I saw I your space before I moved into this actual unit. Yeah. Because yeah, we talked about it yours briefly. Is on the ground floor. So yeah, so so I'm actually in quite a over the top space. It's essentially a house. <laughs> I mean it's it's massive <laughs> and I don't need it. It's two floors. So I can I drive see. in downstairs. I could I have stored three cars. I reckon I could get four cars in there if I parked them cleverly. It's a big space downstairs. And then upstairs, I have what's a sort of school classroom. It's this huge blank white space. Those of people are watching, I guess now, I'm right in the corner at the moment in in the sort of podcast area, but there's there's endless, you know, space here, which is (laughs) pretty overwhelming, I'll be honest. But yeah, exciting at the same time. And because of everything going on in the world, my thought was if I had a studio should the zombies come, I should still be able to keep working within the studio. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Well, have you got like a curtain around you? At the moment? Mm. Because it's so huge and empty, sound proofing or, or uh, sound, what would you call that? Uh, deadening, maybe? Yeah, sound deadening. Uh, tricky. So <laughs> actually I got a good tip from Merlin, the Duke of London himself. 
which was to hang curtains, stage <laughs> curtains across the room to cordon off and that will help trap heat. The problem is the ceilings are tall in here so my curtains don't reach the ground. So they're great for sound dampening. They've made it much more acoustically uh, but good, uh, but but they don't trap the heat at all. So I'm constantly freezing in here. So I'm praying for some better ah. weather because the other day I was filming downstairs and you could actually see my breath on camera. So I was like, this is, this is not a good... <laughs> if I don't get COVID, I'm getting pneumonia. So bloody hell. <laughs> Honestly. Is it nice? Actually, you, no, you had a studio space before this, but this is like a, a whole nother level with some parking. Is it yeah. nice? It must be nice having. I think it's, all I of think, that, right? yeah, it's, um, it's, it's financially overwhelming because it's not cheap. Um, yeah. But as a someone who's, I mean, I ran the channel for four years from my laptop or on the road. So that was, you know, hotel rooms, my, my sitting room, whatever. And it's a hard way to think of it as a business, you know, because you just, all over the place. And so I really, coming back from my big round the world trip, wanted an office at least, somewhere to go each day and to have a bit of a regime. And that kind of grew, grew, grew as an idea. Um, And whilst I moved into a small studio, really for the podcast, it was a podcast recording studio. This is much more what I had in mind because yeah, I can film different stuff in here. I'm getting a a racing sim set up in the corner at the moment. I'm really hoping to do live podcast shows. So when we're allowed to, you know, having 50, 60 people come in and hang out, see some cars downstairs, have a drink and catch up and then we'll sit down and record a podcast. So, you know, I've got the space to do that. But right now, when nothing is going on in the world and no one's making any money, <laughs> the, the monthly payment does make me feel a bit sick. And I, I sit here just looking at the walls going, hmm, it's a lot of space, isn't it? <laughs> um, so yeah, I do have some sleepless nights, but it, I am still excited by the idea of it. Unfortunately, uh, the timing is just, yeah, not ideal for any of us right now. No, no, no. Did you did you have a garage before then? No. So I've no, you didn't. Uh, did no, you? I've always uh, as as and when required rented parking spaces. Anyone else who's London. Also, I meant yeah. to ask you about that about what you do with your cars at the moment because I know you've got a little bit of space at home, right? But not like but like hardly any. Uh, so, so I'm in a different place now. Oh no way! You've moved. So that's why I don't have the office ah. where you are. Um, I moved and then I, yeah, so I moved, I'm in a different part of London. Oh, congrats. I had no idea. That's a secret, but, um, (laughs) and, and that's probably why you don't recognize. I couldn't work out where you were. Yeah. Yeah. It's, 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 um, I've got two buildings. Chill out. And this is my office building. It's great. It's a bit like your setup here. I've got a garage downstairs and this is the upstairs which is my office. So I've got two garage spaces now. So, okay, so and you've a got a drive. And, and good garage spaces. You're not like sort of uh, having a heart attack every time you move the cars. Like you, you can fit them yeah, in there. Yeah, yeah. It's not one of those ones. I've looked around so many houses where it's it's a garage, but it was it's a garage for like a caterham. Yeah, That's it. <laughs> exactly. That's what I was, because I think that was kind of what you had before, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, that, yeah. That, that definitely at the time formed my opinion of what car I could own. Sure. Okay. All of my cars up to that point, other than the Audi or whatever, would fit in the garage. Yeah. And then I remember James came round. I think it was when, I don't know whether it was a Speciale or when he had his 458 and we were going for dinner or something. He was like, oh, can I put it in the garage? And there was nothing in there. And we put it in. <laughs> it was like two centimeters each side oh or something. God. Like kind of almost had to climb out the window and you're like, yeah, okay, I'm never having a car that wide in this space. It's impossible. It's big city life for you, isn't it? It's big city life, which is, yeah. So I ended up renting spaces all over the place, which was a a big downside to my my McLaren ownership experience was the fact that I had to drive 
15, 20 minutes to go and pick it up each time. To go and get it. Which was the bore. So, so yeah, having this is amazing from that point of view where the cars are here. And and as I get lent cars, I can leave them here. I can film with them downstairs, you know. You can have them delivered, all of these things. Exactly that. And one of the hardest things, and I know James actually uh, has spoken about this before a lot, when you're out filming automotive content, finding somewhere to pull over to do the pretty shots or the walk arounds is one of the most frustrating parts because you want to do it, but actually finding somewhere quiet and picturesque and not muddy and not somewhere people are going to leer and jeer at you and, hey, toss pot, Um, (laughs) you know, and it can make a filming day really stressful. So having this, knowing that if it's pouring with rain or if I've run out of time and haven't found anywhere, I can come back here and still do all of that in a controlled environment. That's really refreshing and really reassuring. So yeah, you know, there's lots of benefits. There's definitely lots of benefits, but you know, as I said, I would like to have done more here by this point, but, but you know, restrictions have been in place and and it's limited. So I'm just a lot of planning getting ready for, for the future. Yeah. And I'm, and I totally get that. I'm unfortunately being sort of screwed by the situation and these things are quite expensive to keep, but like you said, I, I've I, like where I am now. I have a little drive that goes out of view of the street. Amazing. So if I want to take a picture or film a little anything, I can film it at home, and it doesn't. You can't see anything else, Perfect. and it's just like you said, it's it's complete game changer to any of that stuff. Because before you take a picture outside your house, someone will come knocking on your door. Yeah. Literally that. I mean, it happened before my, my old place when I used to live with my sister and, you know, people would turn up and, and spot the cards and hang out. Or if I said I had yeah. a car coming, they'd come and try and spy it and stuff. So, you know, uh, hey, it's one of the things of being online. You've got to expect sometimes that kind of uh, mm. attention. But but yeah, it's, it's hard to manage and you don't really want it from a security point of view. So, you know, th- that's another benefit of, of this space. Um, so, yeah, it, it's it's good. But yeah, if you, if you as and when you can come and visit, you will walk in and go, Oh, it's big. I mean, it's, everyone says the same thing. Like, wow, that's a lot of space. Mainly because it's not full of anything. But uh, anyway, uh, we'll get there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So since, because you've had more space, I don't know whether the two has come hand in hand, you've acquired some more cars. I know. <laughs> I kind of went crazy, didn't I? Way, let's just buy everything. Um, so, okay, I'm just trying to think where we left it off. You, you'd just done Drive the World or you, you'd been back for a little bit. Yeah. You had your 911T that you'd just... Ah, no, I don't think you'd even been to Litchfield yet. I don't think I had. Because we talked about it. Yeah, I don't think I had. I think I went right at the end of lockdown one, didn't I? I think I did because that was my... Oh, God. <laughs> lockdown knows. one. Lockdown one. Really shit trilogy. Hopefully <laughs> only a trilogy. Too um, lockdown, too furious. Um, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, so I still had that car for sure, but I'm not sure what I'd done with it. You hadn't... You, you definitely hadn't been to Litchfield. Okay. And then I remember like, it was like a couple of weeks later or a month or whatever. I think you went a little bit later. So you did some mods. Mm-hmm. Did you like it post... Post the change? I mean, it, it transformed the car. And I've said mm. it to quite a few people that have PDK Carrera T's, get yeah. that mod done ASAP. But at the same time, you get that mod done, all you've done is you've bought yourself a cheap GTS. Um, yeah. it, you know, it, it made the car that quick, if not quicker. I mean, it felt unbelievably powerful and responsive. Yeah. The issue that I had with that car and we may have touched on this last time, is that despite everything I'd done with it, I didn't f- form an emotional connection with it. 
And mm. when I was just driving it around London, I was like, what? Like the things, that, the places I'd been, the adventures I'd had with it were so much more exciting in my mind than anything I could do with it here or in the future. Yeah, yeah. And I think the Litchfield mods was like a sort of last ditch attempt of like, okay, well, maybe if I give it tons more power and take off all the wraps and kind of change the way it looks a yeah. little bit, maybe that will make it exciting. And I, I did still really like it. I don't miss it in any shape or form. I think it was brilliant. And yeah, the Litchfield stuff really helped. But at the same time, it was it was costing me... 1200 quid a month, I think. Yeah. And I wasn't enjoying it. I just, you know, I was just like, oh yeah, there it is. And insurance was a lot and you know, all these different things. And so I thought, screw it. Let's, let's just move on. I've never been someone with too much sentimental value with cars apart from my Ferrari. That's a good thing. Yeah. I'm so I'm always, you know, let's, let's change it up, see what else there's out there. And without sounding, uh, I don't know how, I don't know what I'm going to sound like, but, but I could always go, I could always go and buy another one. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's not a kind of car, you know, this is not me selling a 250 GTO, you know, I, I, the Carrera T's and Carreras and 911's, they're all over the place. And heck, look, here I am 12 months later in a very different, but a 911. So, yeah. so, uh, that was kind of always my thinking. If I, if I really regret it, I, I can always go and get another one. Yeah. They're not going to change, change massively. And if anything, they become you, more affordable. <laughs> but then you bought another 911. Yeah, but then I bought another one. Because, as you know, uh, better than most, Porsche's a cult. Um, you know, you just it's can't get away from it. It's in your blood. And, you, and I now want every Porsche. Um, and and so, yeah, so basically the, the 911 I've ended up with, a 40th anniversary, so the 996 generation, it's the first time I've bought a car. Actually, no, I lied. It's the second time I bought a car for YouTube the first time being the Citroen rally car for snow tour, but that was more for a trip rather than for YouTube. But, um, you saying none of the other cars were bought for YouTube? No, I mean, I've always bought cars personally, which if, if, if you ask me if there's a sort of mistake I've made over the years, it's doing that because, you know, I've bought cars that people probably don't really care about or are that interested in the 4C ended up being this fluky thing where that was kind of the first car that launched the channel, even though I, I ran the channel for about six months with a TT. Uh, when the force came along, everyone bought into that. But that's because I just generally bought the car out of intrigue mm. and interest. But then along the way, if you look at all the decisions I've made, they're kind of awful for YouTube because they're kind of the cars <laughs> that no one cares about and no one wants yeah, to see. You know? Lambo. I, I mean, I haven't. I, I was tempted to at one point. But um, yeah, you know, and even I've done series talking about what I should get next. And I've pretty much always bought the car with the least views. <laughs> so, you know, again, <laughs> I, I'm not very good at being a YouTuber, but I couldn't stomach spending money on something I didn't really like. Well, yeah, it's, and it's a lot of money. And I do, I love cars. Like, I want, I, like these are cars, I, 10 years ago, when I was sat at a desk nine to five, I dreamed of being able to buy and own cars. And because of what I do, I've been in a position where I, where I can now go and buy cars that I really love. So, so why would I not and go and buy something that I don't want um, just yeah. to get views? But, but you should probably think, well, as a business, maybe that's the right thing to do. So, you know, a lot of looking at myself and looking at my business during lockdown. And I thought, you know, heck, let's give this a go. And the Porsche bug was still in me. And I was like, I, it's I definitely- It's not going anywhere. It's not going anywhere. And my plan with the Carrera T was to sell it, save some money so that in a couple of years I could go out and buy a really special Porsche. Um, yeah. But I thought, well, heck, well, let's, let's just go and buy another one right now. And so the plan with the 996 was, you know, what were Porsches like back then? Because they're the, a bit like with my 360. The 360 is kind of the cheapest Ferrari you can go buy right now. And what year is your, what year is your 360? A 2002. No, uh, yeah, 2002. And the 996 is 2004. 
Oh, okay. um, which is my, definitely my era. Um, <laughs> but I was never a massive 996 fan, but, but it's, it's the cheapest Porsche 911 you can really go and buy today. And they're yeah. starting to come into play. And I started to appreciate them more last year after seeing a few people pick them up and hearing a few stories. And I thought, hey, let's, what, this is an experiment, an experience for myself. What are Porsches like from that era? Is it going to be horrible? Are cheap 911s the most expensive 911s? What's the experience going to be like? So that, yeah, that, that was kind of the thought behind it. There's a little bit of me wanting the car, for sure. And that's why I got the 40th anniversary <laughs> rather than the C4S or anything like that. But pre- predominantly the decision was, you know, buy a cheap Porsche and, and run it as a car on the channel for content. Now, this, is, this is, sounds so weird, but I, I remember the 50th anniversary coming out. Mm-hmm. And it had the Fuchs wheels and stuff, 991 generation. And thinking like, it's kind of an interesting car, but mm, whatever. Sure. Now looking back at it, I kind of think actually it's quite cool because it was a C2S with a four body on it and the cool wheels. And you're like, that's actually quite cool Carrera. And then, but I didn't think, obviously there must be a four. I didn't think there was any other anniversaries because I thought the 50th, maybe that was just 50 years, pretty significant. I didn't realize they'd done other ones. There's a 30th. Uh, Right. There's a 30th. I saw a 30th. In fact, one came to my house. No way. Like you wouldn't know. I mean, you know, it, it really doesn't stand out. The thirtieth. What, so what's is that? Nine nine three nine six four. Nine. Yeah, it was a nine six four. This one was had been played with a bit. Okay. Owned by, oh, what's his name? <laughs> Black on Instagram is Black Betty and. Co. Yes. Yes, you're right. Okay. But yeah, that, and that was kind of interesting. But yeah, so the, what is the fortieth? The, anniversary, 40, the, the way I describe it to people who know Porsche, the best way to describe it, I think, is a 996 GTS, a Carrera GTS. Okay. So it's that idea because obviously the GTS didn't really come back or come to the 911 uh, badge department until a 997 Gen 2. So, so yeah, so it's all the best options for the 996 Carrera plus a few little bits. So, for example, you get the uprated sports suspension, you get the uprated engine performance. Uh, it's in GT Silver, which at the time was only available in the Carrera GT. You couldn't spec it on a 911, so it was a special okay. colour. Uh, special shot-blasted polished wheels. Um, you get the GT3 side sills and a turbo front bumper. Bit weird, don't ask me. Mm. Um, uh, you get a slightly different leather colour inside, but most of them just option with sports seats. In the US, you could get the GT3 buckets as well. So yeah, it, it's nothing, and it's a, sorry, it's a, a Carrera 2 narrow body rear wheel drive. It's nothing out of the ordinary. It's just the best 996 Carrera that Porsche could expect, if you know what I mean. So so without yeah. being a GT product. So it's all the best components put pulled together in a very light, narrow two wheel drive car. So it's like 1300 kilos, which is the same as a, what, a 911R or a, I think a GT3 RS is 12. 90 or something like that. So it's super light. More, I think 1350 or something. Oh, wow. So, okay. So yeah, so it's a super light car. Horsepower. Oh God, now I'm going to absolutely shoot myself in the face. I'm going to make a guess. Is it, is it three, 300, something like that? It's more, it's, it's 360 or something or three. I'm actually going to Google oh, really? it. Yeah. Cause it's not that far off my 360. 911. 
fortieth. This is so embarrassing. Fortieth anniversary. Nine eleven. Yeah, or the Specs. Porsche community had this like you three hundred forty five. Three hundred forty five. Okay, so not as much as I thought, but uh, hey, we'll get there. Uh, um, but yeah, it's just a really intriguing car because I, I really like the way it looks because it's got the GT three bits, the turbo front bumper, etc. Yeah, I like the fact that there aren't that many of them. Um, less than two thousand units worldwide. And it's got a bit of a story. I love cars with a bit of a story. The reason I chose a Carrera T for Drive the World rather than just a Carrera S or whatever was there's something about it. It's just got something slightly different, you know, even just the tassels on the door rather than handles. You know, I like cars like that. So fundamentally, could you have found a Carrera S or Carrera 4S with similar options? Yes. Um, but it's not 40th anniversary. So heck, why not, why not go for something a bit different? Yeah. And was that a private sale or through a dealership? Private sale, uh, assisted by uh, a guy who who has one himself and is sort of big in that space. I asked him for a bit of help and he managed to track the car down. Uh, was up uh, up near Liverpool somewhere and the guy had had it for 12 years and like that and was ready to move on. So Fair did the whole PPI thing and tried to be a bit aggressive on the price. Uh, I think I did all right. I think, you know, I could have been more aggressive, but at the time I was kind of keen to get cracking. So yeah. we sort of settled on a point where I was like, yeah, that'll be, that'll be okay. I didn't That's know. Okay. I didn't know how many, the, how many bills were coming my way. At <laughs> so that point. the car was mint, ready to go. Ready um, to go. Yeah. That was the end of the story. Yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> I so wish that was the case. Uh, well, I, I very quickly learned cheap 911s are the most expensive 911s because the, the pre-purchase inspection that I got done flagged up quite a lot of stuff that freaked me the heck out. Yeah. And I, I sent it to a couple of people and they all came back saying, oh no, actually, you know what? This is, this is really isn't that bad. It's the kind of stuff you normally see. Cost wise, like 5K would be like your max, I would suspect. Okay. Feel free yeah. to get quotes. So I was like, oh, okay, fine. So that's kind of what I used for negotiating. Then I got the card, took it to a few specialists, uh, again, got quotes in and it was all coming in at that kind of money, like, you know, four or five, maybe the expensive yeah. place was like six. And I was struggling a bit and eventually got reached out to by a company up north called Visac UK, who I think originally came just for advice. They was like, hey, we're fans yeah. of the channel and, you know, what's going on? We work on these cars all the time. And chatting to them, they were just so friendly and so nice and giving like normal advice rather than being yeah. like, oh, and stuff like that. <laughs> and so I said, hey, dude, like, why don't you guys do it? They got the car and very quickly found that... <laughs> There were many more problems. <laughs> We've renamed it a whack-a-mole car. Oh, nice. Where everything that they peeled off, they found something else. And and bless them, they were trying to be as reasonable as possible. Being like, look, you could probably wait and not do this for, you know, six to 12 months. Like, yeah. well, this isn't that bad. But I was just like, look, get it all done because I want the car to be solid so I can just get on and crack, crack on and filming and not have to worry. But, but by saying that to a garage or a mechanic, it's yeah. like setting just fire to your back. Full bank. restoration. <laughs> Essentially. That's what I didn't realise I'd greenlit them to do. Like in, yeah. inadvertently, I said to them, restore the car, nut and bolt. <laughs> so we got to the end and they were like, oh, we'll send you the invoice. And I was like, yeah, cool. Came through, I was like, oh, 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 what? So that was a bit of a poop my pants moment. But they were great. I mean, I, you know, it, my, my own fault for... You know, I didn't need to spend that much money. If you know what I'm, I'm trying yeah. to just, I didn't need to spend that much money, um, but I kind of wanted to. And and hopefully now that's it. Fingers crossed I can crack on and enjoy yeah. the car. Uh, but it was a very eye-opening experience and very different to my previous Porsche experience with modern cars that just seemingly don't go wrong. Yeah, or you just chuck them back at a dealership and... Yeah, and walk away. bill goes to someone else. And I've been so lucky with my 360 
maybe because I took more time finding that car, but also I lucked into the people who were looking after it. A bit like I think Vice like UK, where they've just maintained it so well. And so I've never had a big bill with my 360. Yeah. So I kind of went in a bit cocky, like, oh, how bad can it be? Very bad. <laughs> really, really bad. <laughs> um, yes, as percentage of value of car, quite high. Yeah, really pretty horrific. So, it's, um, yeah. It's an interesting one that I, like, my GT3 has had all sorts of problems over the last nine months. Um, not, not actually any problems with it, but just a problem that's been ongoing. Um, the, the long story short, rear discs are nearly out, but they were missing two little bolts in them. For some, I don't know how these bolts come out, but one on either side disappeared. And car went back in to have its warranty renewed. I was like, you know what? I can still get the warranty from Porsche. It's pretty reasonable. Just do that. And then it's worry free. I don't have to worry about a random fuel tank leak or anything down the line. Um, but they were like, well, we can't get hold of the bolts. So the only solution is to buy a new set of rear PCCBs at £5,000 a piece. <laughs> oh, so, <laughs> like, so what? Yeah, excuse me. Give me my you car back. Me, I, I need two bolts yeah. and you're charging me £5,000 a bolt. They're like, well, you do get some ceramics with that. I'm like, yeah, but either way, I'm not paying that much for new ceramics ever. Like there's better tech out there and whatever. Um, so I took the car away from them and took it to, who did I take it to? JZM. They, okay, yeah, nice. I, I, I was talking to them a lot about refurbing discs and the options of changing discs and stuff like that. And we arranged to have my discs refurbed in the end, which is actually the way to go. It's much cheaper than buying a new set and you end up with a new set effectively. Nice. And then you're still within Porsche warranties and stuff like that. But sent the discs away to this company in Germany enter coronavirus hey. uh, factory shutdown a good old friend company went into administration <laughs> oh my god so i'm thinking at this point hang on a minute am I, sold my brakes, my, yeah. am I gonna get my discs back like am i just gonna have a car that has no discs on, on the rear luckily using someone else so because i hadn't sent them myself i'm not liable for it jzm have sent it away so they were like we're definitely getting you your disc back blah 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 add like five months the discs come back they hadn't been refurbed they hadn't, the company hadn't managed to refurb them but they had put two bolts back in no way so i took the car back to have the 111 point check and warranty and yada yada yada, yada. all good there was a brake <laughs> there's a brake pad warning light and jzm said you need to change your brake pads take it into the dealership and I said, the warning light's on. And I'm like, you definitely need to change some of them. I, can't, I don't know whether it's front or back, but they need changing. They check them all four. They're completely fine. Completely fine, they say. So I said, okay, but I've been told they need changing. I have, I've had it before where they wear unevenly. And so when you look from one side, they're quite fat and they look fine. But if you look from the back underneath or whatever, there's like none left. Um, they're like, no, 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 we've definitely checked. So I go to pick up the car the other day, drive 50 meters out of the dealership, boom, brake pad, warning light comes on. So I just kind of 
stormed back into the dealership, sort of threw the keys at the yeah. man, shouted at him, and shouted, <laughs> but I was very unhappy sure. and then just left. And then I get a message two days later being like, oh yeah, so we got someone to double, triple check or whatever. And it turns out that they're six millimeters on one side and three mil on the other. So they actually need changing. And you're like, oh, come on. But it That in itself, and part of this has got me thinking, you go to some of these specialists and you start building, like um, running a race car, you have a list of all of the parts, pretty much, and when they expire, and how, depending on the amount of time you've run them for, so you know we can run the discs for this amount of days or whatever, we can, the suspension components can do this amount of miles, and then they need changing. Whereas, I don't have that from Porsche, not saying they couldn't necessarily give it to me, of the parts, and like, for example, even just like discs, sort of establish what your wear rate is and go, you will probably need to change this in 10,000 miles. Yeah. And, and put that in the diary and go, actually... Remortgage gonna, the house. <laughs> yeah. And just start, cause, and then whether it's, you know, brake pads or whatever, and, or suspension components and all of the extra components that are not the ones, tyres, which seem to get looked at a lot. I want a list of my car... And the things that are degraded. Consumables, like basically, yeah. The diff. Yeah. How long before the diff is just wishy-washy and you're going to need to replace it? And make a list and start doing... Start budgeting for that. So that I, when but it I comes, bet a good independent could do that for you. I don't think would. Porsche are going to do it, but I bet a good independent would. And that's it. And I, and I think okay, I've done the warranty again because it, seemed, it just seems like good value. But after that, 100% my car's going to an independent... I'm going to get them to look at everything because it's better to know yeah. and, and plot plan. and plan. That's exactly and also, it. And you can decide, I want to replace this this year. And they're like, you don't have to replace this. And you're okay. Okay. How long, well, how long have we got? That's dude. That was exactly like with, uh, my car at Visac because obviously 996 generation famous for IMS and RMS failures it's all over the internet. You mm. speak to anyone with knowledge or without knowledge, they'll tell you that it needs to be changed. And one thing that did need to be changed on my car was clutch, which basically get, opens up the point where you can change the IMS. Yeah. The guys looks at it and they're like, look, I'm being deadly serious. You're, you're, it's looking absolutely fine. Like we've seen so many in like such worse condition. I would say that yours is a two out of 10 compared to needing yeah. a change. And I, I said, but we're there. Like you've taken all the parts off. Why yeah. not just do it? And I think the part alone was nearly a grand like that. So hence why some of my bills yeah. added up so quickly. But I was just like, let's just do it. And, and they were great at, at every single job doing that saying, look, change this now. Cause you're going to get X, Y, and Z, or you can wait and you'll be fine. But at some point we're going to have to do it down the road and yeah. it might be. So that's what I mean. I think if you can find a good independent and, and say that to them, say, look, I just want to know our lifeline on all of these things. And I'm not going to hold you to it. I'm not going to say, right, if it breaks a month earlier, or I need replacing a month later, I'm going to sue you. Yeah. It's just to get that gauge. Cause as you say, when you're running cars like this and your car's a lot more expensive to maintain, I'm sure than, than my 911, um, these are big bills and we, you need to be prepared for them in some shape or form. Uh, but maybe that's the risk, the gamble that we're taking by buying slightly older cars. You're entering yourself into this unpredictable kind of world of, of maintenance. Yeah, you, I think you are a little bit, depends on who you buy it through and all that stuff and the price comes into it and whatever. If you can find, if you can buy it, let's say your Weissart place was selling cars, they, I'm sure would tell you, they'd be like, this is what it needs. This is why it's priced like this. And you're like, you know what? Fine. 
Like I've got the knowledge. I can make the decision there you go. and run with it from exactly. there. If I had a more accurate quote on the PPI, I might've thought again, but uh, <laughs> it's where we are. And, and you know what? It's part of the adventure with this car. It's the whole point of this yeah. content. And that's why I was just about able to stomach the bill. I mean, I really had a proper nightmare when that came in, but I kind of thought, well, this is what I signed up for. And if this is it, fine. If in two months time it goes back and it's another five grand bill, I will absolutely tear my non-existent hair out. (laughs) Um, But, but, you know, I I think that's what people want to know and want to see because it's an attractive proposition, a cheap 911. Wow, they're looking cool. They're coming into fashion. People keep buying them, you know, and I could afford a 20 grand 996. Should I go and do it? Hopefully I'm showing people what it's like and what to be prepared for and yeah, the the potential pitfalls, but hopefully fingers crossed the positives when you get out the other side. Yeah. And it, it, the sort of, I'm trying to think of the advice I've picked up or heard over the years and, and generally I'm spending more on cars. So I'm not necessarily, you're trying to get the best value of the car, but and this, I think this applies to all cars is you try and get the best. Everyone always says like, try and get the best version of whatever you're trying to get that you can afford. Yeah. Like that's exactly if, it. If the price ranges from 10 to 20 K try and spend more. If it ranges from a hundred to 200 K try and spend more if you can, because chances are you won't have I think all of these unsuspecting issues, but you don't, you could get it on any car. You could get it on any car. I think the thing that I've learned, especially with Ferraris, but across the board now in this modern classic era is maintenance is, is the history of maintenance because sometimes people look at it and there was a big conversation we had the other day about challenge Dali that went on collecting cars for quite strong money. And there was a, at least on the listing, a sort of four, four year gap in the service history. The car had yeah. only done 1500, maybe 2000 miles in that time, but, but a four year gap. Now that's for me, a huge immediate red flag. Uh, you know, these cars should be serviced or maintained every single year, even if they've done zero miles, it's just, you know, yeah. they, they, the parts in the car that do wear. Um, and that's the thing. I think when you're looking at it, that's what you want to see. And it's not about finding the car in the perfect spec. Uh, you know, you're not about, oh, I really want a blue 996, 911. And therefore that's the only ones I'm going to consider. Find the best version, the most well-maintained. It's got the best service history. It's as tickety-boo as possible. Uh, and therefore, if you have to spend a bit of money for that and it's not your ideal spec, you're going to end up in a happier place. I guarantee and promise you, because, you know, even if you're like, oh, well, at least my car's brown, that's the color I wanted. But if you are never driving it because it's in pieces at some specialist somewhere, you're going to have a miserable time. Yeah. And and then there's always the case out there. There'll be cars that are priced expensively that are not very good. And there'll be cars that are priced cheap that are amazing because someone's just kind of doesn't know the value or whatever. Exactly. But you need, you need, you need someone to go with you that knows their stuff because they're, it's worth their weight in gold. 100% pre-purchase inspection. I'm a big fan of whether it's, it's your mate, a specialist off to a garage, whatever it might be, just know what you're getting into. And, and any, any normal seller, anyone with a decent bit of kit is going to be totally prepared to and, and up for a, a PPI on, on a sort of sports car, on a premium yeah. car. Uh, fair enough. If it's an Astro, they might get a bit pissed off. If you're saying I want to drive to the local garage for an inspection, but, but, um, but yeah, any kind of, premium, every seller is going to be prepared for you to do an inspection of some shape. Or yeah. Form. And often if you get it done and there's a bunch of work that's like needs to be done, they might, they might do half of it. Yeah. They might do some of it. Great bargaining tool. 
Yeah, because you know, you said, okay, well, you're trying to sell me a perfect car and we now know it's not perfect. And exactly. it's going to cost three grand to get it perfect. So how about you pay that and I'll pay your price. Bish, bash, bosh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Look at us. We should start a, so start you, a modern uh, classic car dealership. Have you, um, so have you been driving it much? No, uh, <laughs> because of COVID. Uh, so I got the car, I picked up the car, uh, drove it down to London. That was a 200 mile motorway journey. Uh, it literally went off for repairs, I think the week later. Mm. And then it, and then it was up at Visac right until just before Christmas. So I think whenever those tier four restrictions came in, it, it, it okay. came back three days before that. And then I went down yeah. to my parents. I, I somehow managed the time getting the hell out of uh, London really well. Uh, so didn't drive Nicely across done. Christmas, did come back. And then I, I have driven it maybe t- two, two or three times this year. Yeah. And it's such a different, I'm, I'm definitely enjoying it. Uh, I need to learn it. I don't want to sort of pass too much judgment on it yet because it's sort of very subdued at most times, as in it's a very mm. nice car to poodle around in. But then I took it to a twisty road and it really came alive. Like when I started yeah. pushing on, it was really fun. And and I think I need to kind of stretch its legs a bit more and go on a bit of an adventure with it and throw it around some corners to really start to bond with it. But every time I get in it, I really enjoy it. But weirdly, it's not compelling me to get in it that much yet. But I think because I just don't know it that well. Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. So, yeah. And if you don't... Cars, like, I don't know. I, don't know. I think for, for a car to deliver an amazing experience driving around London... Not a thing. Well, it needs to be like a Range Rover or something. <laughs> yeah, literally. <laughs> That's why I love a Bentley. Um, with, a, but, with a V12 or, you know, something like that to just... You can't... Exactly that, mate. You, it's pretty you know, boring. It's super boring. And so until I've spent a bit of time with it, um, you know, I, I don't really want to pass too much judgment and fingers crossed to get and do some adventures with it later in the year. But but so far, things are positive. It's got one little niggle on the on the gears still. It's still... It's very snickety into first and reverse, especially when it's cold. Once it's warmed up, it's especially kind of Especially when okay. you're going from fifth to reverse. <laughs> <laughs> that one's a real bugger. Um, Keeps grinding. Just, I don't know what's going on. And so that sometimes as well frustrates me a little bit, but it's off to, actually it's off to Porsche UK in a couple of weeks for a tiny little bit more work. And they're going to address that um, just to get that sorted. And then, yeah, so fingers crossed, uh, smooth sailing from here and I can start to start to really enjoy it. But I'm glad I've, so far, I'm glad I've made the decision and I'm happy to still be in the Porsche, Porsche owners community. Yeah. I think it's interesting that you don't necessarily want it in a, in a giveaway, like pass judgment on, on a car or even review stuff at the moment. Cause I, I'm, I feel the same. Like I think I, it's very easy for me to get in a car and make a decision like straight away and kind of ignoring all of the factors that are possibly around me driving that car. Like whether I'm, if it's my car, that's one thing. If it's someone else's car and they're in the car, that's another thing. Even if it's someone else's car, that's a different factor. Are you on a road? Are you on a track? Are you in London? Are you on an amazing road? Are you in a country where the speed limits are a problem? All these factors that I don't necessarily, they massively affect how you feel about a car and it's not the car's fault. Totally that. And I think, you know, social media in general has made our predetermined judgments, you know, even stronger. You know, there's so many times when I approach a car and I kind of feel like I already know what I want to say about it. But the biggest thing for me is 
I'm not a trained journalist. Like I, I don't, like I never learned, like that's not what I, the guys that do it, the Bovingdons, the Chris Harris, all these people, they've trained to do that as yeah. a job. They know how to get in a car, what they're looking for, how to analyze it. They've got, you know, all these comparisons to make. I don't have that skill, that ability. Um, all I can do is share my own personal experience rather than necessarily my judgment. So I, I really do try not to say you know, this car is good or bad, or I stay away from the understeer and the chassis. I don't know what I'm talking about. So <laughs> all I try and do is whether I'm having fun or not. And I have to say a video of yours that I loved was when you went down to GTO engineering for that. <laughs> but do you know why? Because it was literally- I got so much flack for that. But mate, it's all I needed to know about that car. <laughs> you just couldn't stop giggling and going, wow, yeah. wow, wow. And I went, perfect. That's all I, that's all I care about. I couldn't care less how that car- actually performs because yeah. I could see from your face and your reactions that it was blowing your mind in one way it or really the other. Yeah. And, and so for me as a viewer, but also as a creator, that's the route that I'd always prefer to go down. Watching somebody really enjoying themselves. having I don't care if they're not putting every single, you know, element into, or they're not um, uh, saying exactly what's going on. Cause that's when I watch a car affection yeah. or, you know, a motor trend or whatever. That's when I want that. But um, for a vlogger or a YouTuber or whatever we're going to call ourselves, I just want excitement. I just want fun, excitement, and uh, and yeah. So so yeah. I, I, if you got flag, I don't know why because I applaud that video. I thought it was, I, I thought it was, it was a awesome. full like split. There were some people that are like, "What are you talking about? You didn't even tell us anything about the car." And then there's some people who are like, "This was amazing. This is exactly what I wanted to see." Yeah. And to be honest, I filmed that video. I had the car for half an hour before recording a podcast. I went to record the podcast and talk about it. And they just said, like, do you want to come and drive the car? Uh, yes, thank you very much. Sure, please. Drove the car, just was like, literally, it was mind-blowing experience, especially because the day before I'd driven an F8. Okay. And I'd driven an F8 at Goodwood. So I had three laps of Goodwood, which I, I kind of almost like, that wasn't beneficial at all. Um, and then I had 20 minutes on a back road, but I had an instructor next to me and I wasn't allowed to take the car out of sport, which is the Snore. basically the, the yeah. standard setting, I think, on a car like that. Yep. And it just felt so, so numb in sport. And I, am, I just had no impression whatsoever of the power or any of the stuff that I imagine is fun about that car driving it in sport. And weirdly, I had um, Andrew Frankel on nice. last season and we were, I was telling him about this and he was saying, you know what, in that situation, I'd rather not drive a car. <laughs> no, I, but I'm with him. Like, because I can't, and I, because I slagged that car off afterwards. I was like, I think this is shit. Like, I really don't like it. And I talked to other people on the same day and they were like, mm, I'm not feeling it. And then, but I reckon if I'd been able to drive it in whatever race or CT off or, you know, just like sensibly, but unsensibly experience some of the, cause I think that car, if you drive it in CT off or everything off, will give you that kind of F40 esque manic, like you've got way more power than traction and you need to be really respect the car. I, I couldn't believe, cause I had the F8 spider just before Christmas. Yeah. I couldn't believe how, different. I mean, that car is two different cars in sport and race. And I think this is Ferrari's new direction, or at least what they yeah. have to do with that car. Sport is an even softer 488. It's it's nearly McLaren 570 GT levels yeah. of soft comfort. 
it's quiet. There's very little sort of engaging power or emotive power. Um, you're just trundle along. It's like a super nice, comfy yeah. place to be with you your just music put your on. Foot down. Oh, honestly, like you know, it's 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 a Bentley Continental GT. The minute you flick it to race, and then yeah, especially CT off, it is an absolute monster. It's a pista. It is a pista because yeah. it's the same engine and it's essentially a pista rebodied. And so. I think this is what all these supercar manufacturers have had to start doing. And, and the reason that many of us who prefer, you know, loud, shouty, crazy cars are saying, oh, they've all died down a bit. It's because they need to be more accessible. They've made them more accessible from the everyday person who gets in, who doesn't always want to be thrashing. It doesn't always want to be going all out. Maybe a younger market or a slightly different market, the Asian market, the, the uh, UAE market, whatever it might be. They're just cruising. They're just, they're just cruising. Um, you know, there's always a time for that level of traction control and everything, it's wet, it's dark, it's the end of the day, you've actually just had fun doing something else and you just want to get home. You don't want to have to... Totally. Manipulate your right foot with 700 plus horsepower. But you also want to be able to extract that power when you do and not being allowed to switch it to race means you're going to experience a completely bizarre car. You know, if, if they were like, this is it. I agree. I would have been like, what? And funnily enough, I remember sending a voice note to somebody the moment I picked up the car and drove it home. I was like, it's, it feels a bit wobbly, the spider. Like I feel like <laughs> the flex and it's boring. And like, why would you have it? And then I took it to a road the next day, into race, perfect, quiet road. It was a bit slippery. And I was like, oh my God, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So, you know, yeah, I, I'm, I'm with you there. So I can imagine that GTO engineering experience must have just been so aggressively oh, yeah. night and day from an F8 in sport mode. No wonder you were like, oh, 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 oh. I know. Yeah. And, and I was aware, like I, I properly slagged off the F8 for a good, like everyone I met, everyone that asked me about it, I was like, it was crap. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 I, and that is exactly the conditions that I were given at the time. I, it, it wasn't very good for me at all. It wasn't very go. good. And that could have been completely different. I totally understand why they do it because you don't just let everyone <laughs> yeah. like oh do God. these things. Um, it's a but, car that would happily crash. But I feel a little bit bad, but I don't feel bad because at the time I asked if I could do it. They said, no, fine, your car, your money, whatever. But that's the impression I got after it. And I would love to drive one again. And but I you're think not wrong. it's an amazing car. Yeah, but you're, you're not, sorry to interrupt, but, just, but you're not wrong because in sport mode, it is dull. It, you yeah. know, it is dull. It's not a Ferrari, you know, and, and uh, for me as a purist, I was like, what is this? And it was only once I'd experienced race and a tiny bit of CTR because I'm not quite that brave, um, that I went, ah, I get it. They're, they're doing, they're catching up with all these other manufacturers who've made their cars a lot more comfortable and accessible and easier for younger, richer people who are buying them as a lifestyle asset rather than as a race mm. car. You know, so, so, so you're, you're not wrong, but you just didn't get a chance to experience the other side of the coin. That's um, it. That's so it. Yeah, so sorry to interrupt, but. I had um, another car. I, know I, I drove, a, I had a car for a week last week. I had an Alpine A110. Oh, nice. It was in a lovely dark blue with a right sort of brown street. interior. Oh, right uh, up your street. It was exactly, exactly. <laughs> I was like, oh, this looks good. Did they plan this? Yeah, exactly. Um, apparently not. But that was an interesting car. I, and I had real mixed emotions about it. I, I'd heard all this hype 
I'm not about to say there's nothing good about it. I just had heard a lot of hype about how it goes down a road, how the suspension's amazing, all of these things. And my first experience of it is in town. And just driving around town, I didn't think, I was like, it's kind of like a sports car. It's a bit jiggly. Like it's not amazingly well damped or anything in town. It just, it's kind of a sports car. So it, it, sort of par for the course, nothing exceptional at this speed in this situation. And then drove it around a bit. I think they look amazing. I think the pricing is brilliant for what you get. The interior is kind of cool. You accept that there's certain things that they have to do, like the screen and whatever. And there's some things that annoyed me, but those sorts of parts, the car costs 50 grand. Like you can't compare it to a hundred grand car, but then driving it on a good road, was great. Like it's handles amazingly. You the lightness, the lightness. Okay, I'm used to driving light stuff, but I you feel you can tell straight away that it weighs a lot less, which is an amazing feeling and a completely different sensation and it turns in nicely and whatever. But I don't drive a car on a country road flat out. No, you'd be a like I, I don't push <laughs> to the uh, maybe maybe like once a blue moon but generally i drive moderately quickly but like well within your abilities yeah well within my abilities and the grip of the car i'm not pushing the front end and the rear end all the time because like you know things go wrong or whatever and you might go around the corner and there's a truck there um it's just it's just not how i drive a car and driving that car at that speed was interesting but i would have loved it to have a manual gearbox. Yeah, I, it's weird that car. I I was super lucky and got invited to like the fur, the proper press drive way back mm. in the day, and remember really enjoying it, really enjoying it because it felt, as you say, kind of special for the price point. You know, yeah, look mega. You get in it, it feels cool, it feels different. It doesn't feel like a Renault parts bin. So I was like, this is great. And it sounded kind of meaty. I don't know what the newer ones, if they've been dialed down with. If you have it in the sport mode, yeah. I'd say it sounds pretty good. Okay. Driving around normally, it sounds like a four-cylinder. Fine. And yeah, and I was, and we got put on some proper roads. I was like, this is nuts. And the weight balance and everything. But since then, I've never really wanted to get in it again. It's not a car that I'm like, mm. God, I'd love to, like 599 GTO. I mean, I would rip someone's arm off to have another <laughs> go in one of those. So yeah. And then of course it got all this kind of like plaudits, like every single journalist in the world was saying, but you don't exactly see many of them on the road. I mean, there's very few negative reviews of Alpine A110s out there, but they don't seem to sell a ton of them. Where, and I wonder why that is. Because if you look at the GR Yaris, it's had the same kind of reception and is selling by the bucket loads, theoretically. I mean, it's it, that it, price situation. I think maybe that's exactly it. I think because Alpine didn't have a lot of history like people don't weren't that familiar with the brand people didn't really understand what it was and then they came along at 50 grand people were like why would i buy that and not a cayman or or an f-type or whatever it might be um whilst with a yaris like that's super affordable especially on finance to so many people when it's a toyota and they probably had a yaris before or whatever it might be um so it seems more accessible but yeah i'm always surprised there aren't more of them but but then again as i say i've never want i've never dreamt of jumping back in one and i i drove the litchfield uh, A110, which was yeah. nuts quick as you can imagine and enjoyed it. But I still wasn't like, oh yeah, like God, I want one of these now. It's just like, oh yeah, this, this was cool. Like, I think it's, it was, it was a real str- difficult one for me because I, I like the car. I think it's cool. I think it's really cool. I think for 50 grand, it's really cool. 
My problem is I get to drive some unbelievable things. Yeah, we're spoiled, mate. We're so like, spoiled. Absolutely spoiled. And therefore, I can't, I, I just can't get in a car that's got a average sounding four cylinder with paddles and compare that to being able to, you know, you drive a 250 short wheelbase, V12 manual. Like, it, it ruins just, everything. <laughs> it just ruins, it absolutely yeah. ruins everything. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I think. I think it's a really cool car. I think if you're in the market for that sort of price bracket level of car, I think it holds its value well. It's different. It's very light, which is a very different experience. So you should definitely drive one. Um, but if you pitched it against something like my G3 RS, I'd say it's just completely different. It's just a completely different. But I just, I, I mean, I think I'd have an Exige or an Evora or an Elise, or I'd have a Cayman or, you know, <sighs> As good as it is, it wasn't good enough to make me want it more than its competition. It's more refined. I'd say it's more refined than a, one of the Lotuses. 100%. But that's, but but that's depending on what you're looking for. I th- yeah, I think... The, the luggage is a bit of an issue. There's luggage not very much luggage space. Hardly any. But, I, you know, I, that's what I like about Lotuses. It's almost that, you know, you're kind of signing up for the for the impracticality or, or however you might phrase yeah, it. you've agreed. You've yeah. agreed. So, you know, why not? And, and that's the thing with the, with the Alpine. Like, it just, it had elements of all these different cars. And you're right, it's different, it's unique. But it just, for some reason, wasn't enough for me to ever go, I'm desperate to have a go in one of those again. Or I would, I would definitely buy one of those if I was ever in the market. I, I um, yeah, it, interesting that that was your kind of thought as well. And I think you're right. I think a manual gearbox would have helped a lot, but it's not maybe the only thing that would have made it more desirable. And and we can't be that wrong because not many people are buying them as good as everyone says they are. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Oh. There just aren't that many on the road. So, so I think the, the practicality side of it in that car, they, there's not a lot of luggage space at all. Nope. And it's just the nature of it. it's a very small car and it, the layout and everything. But you, you, you can't really do a road trip in that car. No. Like you can. No, you can do a road trip in any car. <laughs> you, but, you can, you can. But, it's, but you don't have loads of luggage space. And you can't put food back there because it gets hot next to the engine. And, you know, all, all these different elements. It's a tough car to live with, but maybe a fun car to drive on a Sunday morning. So I did think when I was, I found a good bit of road and with all the situations, you can't drive very far away from home, really. And I did think this is all the, I wouldn't, I don't need much more power at this weight of a car this weight, this is actually pretty damn good for a road, like a British road, this amount, 250 horsepower, 1100 kilos. 
I'd maybe go like 300 and a little bit more torque or something and maybe with a diff. But uh, in that car, it, it works really nicely without a diff. I'm all for the, the 250, 300 horsepower, hot hatch, super minis, whatever you want to call them these days, uh, or the 400, 500 horsepower super sports car. That, that For me, that's like I over 500 horsepower these days, I'm a bit like, I just don't need it. You know what yeah. I mean? I, I, I drove a, a 550 Barquetta the other day. <laughs> yeah, and that? mate, I mean, what a thing. I mean, in so many ways, not what you're expecting or even wanting, but also yeah. brilliant. So I don't know if you've driven 550 or 575. Um, no. From Fry. So... Obviously, these days, F12, 812, 509, manic V12 Ferrari engines, rev yeah. their tits off, scream, want to kill you. The V12 in a 550 or 575, it's so lethargic in a really nice way. <laughs> it's a grand tourer. It's elegant. The power yeah. kind of sweeps you along the road. Hey, it will still step out on you and it will still spit you into a hedge if it wants to, but <laughs> it's very elegant. It's just, it's just grandiose. And yeah. then top that into what I've always thought as Ferrari's ultimate car, a roofless front engine V12. Like that's for me, the pinnacle of yeah. Ferrari. And it's styling just, I think is aged so well. I drove it on a beautiful sunny day and it's wobbly as heck, <laughs> but it just somehow works. It felt more like a sixties car than mm. a, than a noughties car. And it's a car that you would, absolutely drive from Monaco to Rome having the time of your life mm. but it's so night and day from a modern day V12 Ferrari and you know as I say so that was uh oh no I'm forgetting the numbers but but 500 horsepower or 550 so five, yeah something like you something know something like that 550 maybe yeah I think just under 540 the naming literally I mean that's why I was like 550 um I mean, already more than I would need, but also enough. Do you know what I mean? Like manual gearbox. So, and it's quite a heavy car. So it's exactly that. And it's flimsy. So, so you know, you've got to watch out for the bumps. But, you know, I was like, this is it. And this is a supercar for me. And that's all I would ever want and need. And then you get into an 812 Superfast or the modern day equivalent, the 812 GTS, the car that I really loathe. I mean, you must not ever be able to... Why do you not like it? I actually, I'm sure it's brilliant. And this is, I'm, I'm giving away my entire main channel video now. So you're getting the exclusive. Um, well, this, is, this is coming out in a couple of weeks. So okay, great. Right. Phew. Um, <laughs> the, for me, the 812 GTS is Ferrari giving a middle finger to their history and their heritage. As I say, in my mind, the ultimate Ferrari is that roofless V12 Grand Tour, that yeah. fun engine. And so if you look at it, 550 Barquetta, 575 Super America, 599 SA Aperta, F60, you know, super limited numbers for the pinnacle, the hierarchy. This is Ferrari. And then they went, well, for the 812, let's just make it a production car. Let's just make it, any, anyone can go. an in. amazing decision. No, see, I disagree because uh, fine, fair enough. Everyone is going to be going, why are you cross about that? It's made the ultimate version of a Ferrari more accessible. Exactly. But... Ferrari and all of these brands now, all it's all going to be about is heritage. That's all these brands have got left because every single car fundamentally feels the same, does the same thing. They've got the yeah. same power. They all do not six in the same way. They're all as dull as each other. And as we go hybrid and electrified, all you're buying is badge, history, heritage. And Ferrari's is all the way back in the 60s, the glory days 
of these iconic Grand Touring special cars, these Pininfarina body cars. And of course, there is the Schumacher eras as well. And across the history, and by making 812 GTS accessible, they've no longer got these cars for people to celebrate and to enjoy. It's, it's, just a, car, it's a car that anyone can go and buy. And so for, you say that yeah. if you've spent the 400 grand it's going to cost. Yes, sorry. <laughs> sorry, any very rich Ferrari <laughs> customer can go by. And, and I'm sure you would have had to bought 18 Lusos and 15 Portofinos first. But it essentially, uh, now that it's not a limited you know, special number, it's not got that... That sort of the 550 uh, Barchetta is not the best Ferrari they've ever made, but yeah. because of so many elements, it feels inherently special. And whilst I'm sure the A12 GTS is an incredible car, and if I drove one, I guarantee I would love it. It would never feel as special because if I drove it to Monaco, I'd probably see six others drive past me. I get your point. So I, that's I what I'm point. saying. Is it, it doesn't make the car any worse? It should be limited. It's, it should be limited. It's just. It's these brands have got to somehow keep something about them that's special. And your F8 experience is Ferrari modernizing themselves. I applaud that. Great. Brilliant. I want my favorite brand to be with the times and be competitive, but it's also showing how they're cheapening their product and, you know, small, all of this stuff. Look at McLaren. Unfortunately, as much as I want McLaren to be a success story, a lot of their downfall has come by making too many cars, too many versions. Nothing feels special every single week something better comes out. You think you've bought the best edition, a special edition comes out, blah, blah, blah. And it cheapens the brand. And that's what I think Ferrari may have done with the GTS. But let's wait and see, because I'll say, I'm sure I'll drive it. The thing is, I regret everything I said. All of these things. I, I had a ride in a DBS Superleggera Volante. I don't know when this was. It it was warm, so it must've been summertime. Sure. And we drove past uh, HRO in... South Kensington, and they had, they'd just got their GTS demonstrator and we parked them next to each other. And you look at the one to the other and in all categories, <laughs> other than like Aston Martin is a, is a bit more understated and a kind of a cooler brand for an old person. The Ferrari was so much nicer, like mm-hmm. interior, exterior, boot size, massive, like engine, better, all of these things. And you look at that car and go, this is the ultimate V12 car. Agreed. I would love to own one of these at point in time. And because they're making a bazillion of them, you know what? That's actually possible. <laughs> Fair. And so, as I say, I think that would be the argument when my video goes out that a lot of people are going to make of being like, you know, this is a good thing, not a bad thing. But, but I just worry in 10 or 15 years time, when the world is a very different place, are Ferrari going to have that strength to, to pull that sort of brand? Because are the cars going to feel so special or are they actually not? Are they going to seem too accessible? I don't know. I I just, I think in 10 years time, we'll be in a really interesting situation because these will all be modern classics because they're not electric. Good point. Actually, in 10 years, they could still be a hybrid. But that's just heavier. Like, you don't need that. A car that can produce 700 and whatever horsepower, nearly 800 800 horsepower from a naturally aspirated V12, as long as you're keeping the V12, unless you're making it really small, you don't need hybrid. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, look at SF90. I mean, who needs that? I mean, I I want one so badly, but who, you know. What do you feel about that car? Oh, 
it's such a weird car because I feel like Ferrari has really messed up their own marketing campaign for that car. I've like almost written an email to, the, to Marinello being like, stop specking launch cars with black roofs and silver wheels. They look shite. Like when that car came out, I was like, oh God, whatever. And then the Charles Leclerc Monaco video was a disaster. Oh, that was awful. It sounded bad and they weren't doing anything exciting with it. And the initial reviews came out and it was like, oh, it's too much power and blah, blah, blah. And now I almost think they shouldn't have done reviews. I kind of agree with you there. I, I kind, it's a bit like, um, what's the McLaren, the Speedtail, the Koenigsegg and the McLaren Speedtail, you know, cars that you, why are you doing, I mean, but there you go, because actually they need to sell a ton of SF nineties. It's not a LaFerrari. They need to sell a ton of them. They haven't already sold out. They're going to build as many as they possibly can. Yeah. They'll build as many as people buy. Literally, And I think the answer is, well, I don't know, because it's just, I'm not buying one. I look at that car and go, absolutely no way. That is the least interesting thing I can think of on the planet. Like an F8, I already thought wasn't interesting. This is having <laughs> driven it in sport or whatever. Yeah. I imagine if you turn everything off, it's more than interesting. Adding another 200 kilos and front wheel drive, that does not an interesting car make. It's not exciting. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm just intrigued by it because firstly, I think Te- we've, we must have all seen the power slide lover clips and he makes yes. any car look exciting. He's done the same in like a Wraith. Yeah, I mean, yeah, he, I, I've got, I'm not saying that it makes the SF90 good, but it does make it look attractive. Um, and there's some stunning specs coming out. So I'm starting to see cars that I like the look of. I think visually it's a lot more impressive than the launch car. And I'm just like, as I say, I want to embrace this new era of this brand that I love. And, and that car is a very kind of different car for Ferrari. It's a lot of new different things that, you know, we wouldn't necessarily consider for them. And, and it's maybe the way they're going to be going with hybrid technologies and, and, and the electrification of, of so many of their cars. So, mm. you know, as a first, it's a bit like the Taycan. I can find it's not as dramatic as a Taycan, but what excites me about the Taycan as well as it's got a few foibles, it excites me because if that's what Porsche are doing is their first attempt as a full yeah, EV cool. car, like, wow, what's the future going to be for Porsche? It excites me. So that's kind of why I want to experience the SF90. Is it going to be like, oh, well, this was just a pointless car or this is an exciting st- stepping stone or starting point. It's, it's a car I I massively appreciate technologically what they've done. And I the the way the market has evolved from whenever the P1 and all that came out. I, don't, I can't even remember when that was. 2014? Um, no. 2014. Yeah, yeah. Six years ago yeah, or something. I think 2014. Um, where these cars were a million plus for a car with a thousand horsepower. And, and a hybrid powertrain now 400 and something. I don't, I don't know what the price is. I imagine a lot of them are about 500, but that, that sort of price for a car that's got a thousand horsepower. So trick. The tech is, I believe, unbelievable the way it manages everything, all of these sorts of things. So as a, like a technological tour de force, I'm really glad they've made it. I think people will buy it. It just personally doesn't well, interest me because I drive cars on the road and I don't drive them on the road like Power Slide Lover as much as I would like <laughs> yeah. to. But I live oh, in the UK yeah, and yeah, yeah. you definitely can't get away with those that sort of... Oh, and antics. I just don't have that skill. <laughs> I'd literally be upside <laughs> down in a ditch in a second. But yeah, I mean, you're right. It, and I think maybe that's what the initial reviews were hinting towards. Um, and this is my big complaint at the moment. A lot of my audience over on my YouTube channel sometimes ask the question, is, what, what do we mean when we say at the moment cars are too fast or too powerful? Because... 
I'm really worried I'm becoming a, you know, an old man. I mean, I am, I am. becoming an old man. <laughs> but, you know, I would, my dream car right now is a Bentley Continental GT. <laughs> you know, like... Which I, one? V8? Uh, no, no, full W12. Give it the, full fat. Full okay. fat. I, brown, brown V8. Leather. I know the V8's lighter and better on its feet and sometimes sounds a bit better, but I'm just thinking, if you're going Bentley, just get the full waft mode. Um, <laughs> and, and so, you know, I, I immediately recognise that I'm an old man because of that. Uh, but I don't want to be that voice that's like, oh, it was so much better in the noughties. And I have to be aware of that because if you were 13 or 14 right now, is the SF90 not your LaFerrari? Is that not the car that you think is the best thing in yeah. the world? And I don't want to sit here being like, oh, it's so pointless. So I think it's more about the fact of... And when I filmed the Barquetta, it was over at Gerardo and Cohen, and Max Gerardo said it perfectly. These modern cars, you never can drive them fast enough to extract the same kind of emotion, feeling, and involvement that you can in a car with less power. Because, you know, in a 500-horsepower yeah. manual car, 500-horsepower PDK, GT3, you know, you can really mash it and get the car kind of moving around and dancing and making you excited and making you feel involved like you're in control of it you know, at, at certain occasions, on certain occasions. Yeah. But if you're on a thousand horsepower SF90, you, you just, not, unless you're power slide lover, you are so rarely extracting anything from that car. Everything it's doing 99% of the time, it could do in its sleep. And therefore, yeah. are you going to get any kind of feeling, emotion, connection from the car? Probably not. And that's where I think the problem lies. These cars are so good now, so capable, so fast and so brilliant that actually we, we can't experience it. They're too good for humans. Yeah. And and I found, and I, I definitely feel like I'm slipping into that old man phase of saying things were, but I, I don't actually think necessarily things were better in the past because I think we could, if we could build a car to the ethos that I want to now, the problem is regulations and safety, but I do like regulations and safety because if you crash, this is a good thing. But I would love, you know, I would love a 500 horsepower, 1,000 kilo car. I, I reckon you probably, I reckon maybe 400, but I'd just say 500 because I would like to be able to have stupid amounts of on-tap gas if you want. But that sort of level of car is still too fast for the road. Like, okay, you say too fast for the road. What is too fast for the road? But genuinely, like, you can't put your foot down for very long in any modern car before you're going unbelievably fast. And our roads, unless it's a motorway or something, your vision, you can't see that far. So adding more grip and wider tyres, it's it's when when I look at my older 911, my back date, the way that's set up is, is quite grippy-ish. Um, and the, the way it's sort of designed, it's a bit wider than it was before and it's got grippy tires. And actually I had a passenger lap in a two litre cup car, Porsche, like 1965 race car. Wow. And that was someone that was like pretty good. <laughs> yeah, <And honest. laughs> I got out of that thinking, I, I think the older car in my life needs to be more like this than actually what I've got. I, great car love it but just the experience of having skinnier tires and a much wider band of grip sort of deterioration like that the 911 i've got if you get to the limit it's very snappy like really quite snappy where the older things they're much less so and you you could you can get them out of shape at much lower speeds 
And that just sounds really appealing. And unfortunately, I have some friends that like really old cars, like cars without seatbelts and sure. cars with the, the pedals in the wrong place, yeah, you know, yeah, like yeah. throttle in the middle and stuff like that. Yeah. And I'm starting to appreciate why they like these things because they're literally, you're, you're like drifting at like 20 miles an hour. And they make you think. You know, make you, you think. you're not driving them in sort of robot mode, which unfortunately a lot of the modern cars you are, you know, you've got to kind of really drive. You've got to pay attention and, and do things. And what you do changes the car and makes the car behave in a certain way. Whereas you get into most modern supercars, you mash the throttle, the electronics kind of take care of it for you. And you don't even realize what you've just nearly done. And so, yeah, it's, I think we have to be careful. I think we have to, you know, live in the times and realize where technology is taking us and what the benefits of some of these cars are. And as I say, that was my, my eye-opening moment with the F8 was like, oh, I get it. Because nowadays, if you just made two billion on Bitcoin and you went, screw it, I want to go buy a Ferrari. Yeah. And your previous car was a Golf GTI. You don't <laughs> want to step into an F12 TDF, you know, because you will die. And yeah. an F8 gives you all of that Ferrari presence when you turn up to the club, gives you all that excitement. Once you get there, you can put it into CT off and have a good time. But in sport, it's totally manageable and easy. It's easy to drive. It's comfortable. Blah, blah. And so I get it. I And I applaud that. It's just not the car that I want. And I think if I ha- if I won the Euro Millions, I-, I would go and buy a ton of cars. Not many of them would have been made in the last two years. No. Ah, there's one car. If I won the Euro Millions, mm-hmm. which actually would run out quite quickly if I really started thinking yeah, into I cars. I do think about this quite a lot. I would have a Koenigsegg Jesko. Would you? As one of those, like, if I had 20 cars. That surprises me so much, given everything we just said. Because that is like the ultimate of modern nuttiness to me. Yes. Do you get it from a tech point? Like from a tech and engineering, I love the company. I love what they're doing. I love the fact that they have literally put 1500 horsepower in something that weighs 1300 kilos or something. And I, I reckon to fill that box, to tick that box of this is unbelievably fast and bonkers, Koenigsegg Jesko. See, I, and I don't know, but do those cars work? Yes. Okay. Um, I would even, all- it, even if they didn't, they work enough. I think they work enough, pretty well enough. now. I would, I would go Bugatti Chiron. I mean, w- one of the variants, you know, well, I don't even know what they make. These a pure sport. Or oh, no, yeah, see, no or, way. That's a bit more me. I mean, I well, get I it. I, one. Oh man. I haven't driven either. So. Yeah. <laughs> but I think you're right. I mean, there's something for the all out bonkers hypercar in the, in the lineup, because as you say, it's kind of embracing, but, but, but at the same time, we're then contradicting ourselves because at one point we're slagging off supercars having too much power and being too anodized. And then we're saying we actually want a 1500 horsepower, three million pound hypercar. So all I'm you know, saying is if you gave me like 150 million, I would have a Chesco. Okay. If you gave me 10 million, I would not buy one. Fair. Okay. I'm, I, I would way rather one sports car in my garage, a daily, a comfortable daily and a sports car that's like a thousand kilos, 500 horsepower, manual gearbox revs to nine. Okay, I'm with you. I just got a little bit distracted because I'm looking out my window and I can see the building opposite. Someone's literally just kicked a hole through the wall. Like, as I was, I just started to see these bricks falling. I was like, what? And then there's like, it's like in the building. So I just kicked up. I'm like, what has happened over there? They're coming for you. Oh, there's more. They're doing more. They must be doing some piping or something like that. But it looks like someone's just kicking it with their foot. Is there a time limit on your office before it gets flattened? So... I don't know what I'm allowed to say here. 
Uh, but uh, well, let me it's just not say that around in twenty years. No, so so the almost all of Brentford has been bought up by the ba- Ballymore Group. Yeah. I guess they're the group. They're big developers in London. Right. Look at any big building site; it's usually got Ballymore written on it. And they are redeveloping this whole area. So at some point, these buildings will be demolished. Um, we have certain guarantees, of course, as you can imagine. We've all got rolling notice periods, and you know, hence why I'm not doing a a James refit of this building, yeah. uh, you know, and because at some point, so, so you've got you to be wary of that. But at the same time, you know, I, I'm not moving out next month. So, you know, it's, this for me was a very expensive test. You know, I had that first studio it was good for the podcast. Mm. This is kind of what I thought or what I wanted to try and do. If this goes well, whenever I get forced to move, whether that's a six months, a year, 18 months, two years, whatever it might be, it's like, well, was that worth it? Do I want to go and do that again? Or actually was it a bit of a, a fail? And I kind of, you know, it's an expensive trial, but I was prepared to take that risk. I'm sorry, this is so distracting what they're doing <laughs> like, outside my window. Imagine looking at a building and this, this holes is being punched. I'm like, what is going on? Anyway, so I'll try not to be They're knocking it down. That. They're not. They're like, they must be putting a pipe in or something like that. Oh, but maybe. it's a bizarre thing to look bit, at a building and see- Bit of heating. Just bricks being pushed outwards. Anyway, yeah, go on. Sorry. Right. So what have you, what has, have you had some standout drives in oh. the last year? You got like a top three or something. So the or one that really surprised me last year, Mercy Lago SV. But did we Ooh. speak about that? Because that might've been just before I came on to do I the podcast think so. with you. Uh, not the biggest Lambo fan in the world. Paddles? Uh, are they all paddles? Paddles. Yeah, they're a yeah. handful of manuals, but very, very, very rare. It was just everything we've just talked about. It was ludicrous, manic, loud, impractical, stupid, but brilliant in a ballistic missile. So yeah. that, that I enjoyed a lot. I 911 Speedster, the l- latest generation, kind of was a, this is the probably ultimate Porsche for me. I think that was my... Euro Millions car. Um, really, really enjoyed that. And, and do you think oh, have, on that car, mm-hmm. having the roof off adds a lot, I believe. I've, I've not driven it, but I can imagine. Yeah. And do you think it's raw enough to fill your like needs for feel and stuff like that? It, it's a Porsche. So it's it's never going to be as visceral as Lambos, Ferraris, some McLarens, all of that. You know, it, it is still a Porsche. So, uh, it's a very different driving experience, but I've lusted after a touring mm. since I bought my Carrera T in 2018. So, you know, I, I, I really love that car and the Speedster was enough for me to think I would actually like remove the roof. I wouldn't even like have, <laughs> like I would permanently have the roof off. I would yeah, put yeah. the interior in some kind of weatherproof leather or some kind of material. And no matter what the weather or occasion drive it aggressively with no roof. And I think that's the way to do it with that car. It's just uh, no frills. Like it's just a very authentic driving experience. Manual gearbox, wind in your hair. I think it looks the bomb. It does sound good. Great engine. Does everything you need on the road without being stupid. So so Mm. that's what I mean. It was just a perfect Porsche for me uh, in so many ways. So yeah, I just really, I saw it as an eye-opening, like this is is kind of it for road driving experience. Of course, if I want to be loud and shouty and showy, I'm going to take my 360 or the LaFerrari Aperto yeah. I end up buying. Um, but you know, <laughs> but, but as a, as a car just to, just to drive, uh, very regularly, it would be a speedster, as I say, with the roof taken out and just, you know, they'd be like, who is that plonker in the pouring rain, uh, driving a speedster, but that would be me. 
So that, that was good. There will be other things that my audience will be yelling at me saying, how can you have forgotten that you did X, Y, and Z? But um, <laughs> Have you driven a, a GR Yaris yet? Yes, drove the GR Yaris. Very, very cool. I, I really liked it. And if you watch the video I put out, you can see the initial overexcitement because it was brilliant. But heart on hearts, I wanted it to be a little Hand bit more. Thank you. Thank you. There you go. <laughs> I'll write that one down. I did warn you. Um, I wanted it to be a bit more stripped out. I wanted it to right, be a bit okay. more Abarth Piposto, Mini GP3, which isn't even that stripped out. But I wanted roll cage in the back. I wanted a bit tinny, which is me being silly because I just like raw, stupid cars. And mm. in my head, I heard a homologation special. And I went, oh my God, it's going to have like holes in the floor. Yeah, um, yeah. It's still a very nice place to be. It's just a fantastic hot hatch. And I put it, in my mind, it felt very similar to the Megane Trophy R which is a much bigger car, but in terms of road presence and road feel, mm. it felt similar. Um, I don't think many of the people agree with that, but it, that's how it felt to me. And yeah, really, really liked it. Uh, but I, for me to have went out and bought one, I would have wanted it a little bit more, feeling Crazy. more motorsport on the road. Uh, yeah. And that's super personal. Um, but but yeah, but you haven't driven one yet or you have? No, I've... I've it's going to happen. Just, yeah, just it's brilliant. I'm actually um, going to look on my Instagram what else I actually... Because uh, that's and that's another one of those things. Like I, I remember someone was giving me some abuse, mild abuse on Instagram when I sounds normal. I, I, I posted a picture of it or something when it had come out or was commenting on something else, and someone was like, "Oh, Sam, why, you know, why don't you buy one?" And I was like, "Well, like I don't really have a need for this car, it, mm-hmm. and, and I don't know cars are not necessarily about need, but like I literally have no need for that. So it would be like a fun purchase. And if it's a fun purchase, I probably wouldn't buy a new because I reckon so many people are going to buy them and they're all the same. Yep. So I would just wait like a year, see how it is, drive one. I wouldn't just order one without driving one and then maybe buy one after a year. And they're like, oh, you, just, you should like live a little. It's like, well, it's not, oh, it's still 30 grand. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not a free car. And it's not like, I'm sorry, but it's not going to be a better driving experience than my F40. No, <laughs> no I don't, I don't think it is. It's brilliant. But as like, it might and be. I know it's not meant to be the same and blah, 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 blah. But like, yeah, that was just, it's just, yeah. I think people go a bit mad. They're like, yeah, but you could possibly afford it. So why don't you just do it? And you're like, yeah, but there's, I think about all sorts, buying all sorts of crap daily. Doesn't, <laughs> doesn't matter how she's going to do it. Doesn't mean this is going to be the top of the list. But that's definitely a YouTube, like we asked for that as a YouTube generation. Not, I, I wouldn't lump you in uh, with this awful scene, but, um, but you know, <laughs> the likes of myself, uh, Supercars of London, Shmi 150, JWW, yeah. you know, when we were, and we still are, I think, well, maybe not me, but, but you know, the buying and selling, especially at the levels that James and Tim and TG and stuff operate, people just assume that we can buy whatever we want, whenever we want. Yeah. And so, you know, the amount of times I get sent project dates, project sevens, uh, challenge for darlings, whatever, <laughs> just buy it, just buy it. And I'm like, are you mad? And, yeah. uh, and unfortunately, Tim, with all of his success has made the rest of us, you know, uh, subject to that kind of uh, expectation or abuse from the audience. And, and yeah, if you're seeing with an F40, people are like, well, why the hell aren't you buying 10 other cars every month? Um, you know, so it's a hard thing to... The answer is, I got no money left. I got, I got no <laughs> cash. Um, you know, but then also, again, we blame ourselves because we often say that as YouTubers, oh, I'd love to do that, but I can't afford it. And then two months later, there we are in three other cars. So, you know... It- it's perfectly rational for someone to call you out and go, okay, you should buy that. And then you go, oh, 
I don't want to, or I can't afford it. And they go, but you do this. And you're like, that's a fair comment. Yeah. It's a fair comment, but <laughs> it's know, not how it works. It's but that's a fair comment. It's a lot of man maths. And yeah, we all, I think as petrol heads, you endlessly think of things to buy, don't you? You endlessly spec cars up, look on auto trader. Like, oh, the that's moment. what we're all thinking about. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I'm so back and forth and I don't actually necessarily want to, I don't want to put the audience through what I'm thinking at the moment because <laughs> it's one of those things that it might happen, might not happen. And you just, if it doesn't happen, like there's literally no point in talking about uh, it. So it's almost a whole another whole nother episode keep, in itself. Keep, but. keep hush. <laughs> keep hush. But for me, like right now, I say like, I'm loving the sub 50K market. That's what I'm all yes. about, the sub 50K market. Uh, you know, the thought of spending 150 grand on a car right now, whilst you could get some amazing cars, because that price bracket, it's terrifying how much amazing stuff you can get. Um I, I want to buy a flat. Do you know what I mean? Like, maybe that's the old man in yeah. me again. Like, I'm like, I just, I couldn't fathom spending that kind of money at the moment on a, on a car and bravo to the, the guys in my space who are doing it regularly, whether they're doing it for content or on a personal level, because it's, I mean, it's amazing. And I would love to be going out and buying Hurricane Evos and whatever it might be, but I just, I, I can't, I can't fathom it. But it's, it's got to stack up. Like Tim wouldn't buy something if it didn't financially make sense. Oh, I mean, Tim is a machine. I mean, I mean, not only did it financially make sense, but you know, he's there for content. He's been doing this for years and yeah. years. He knows what he's doing. And as I say, I applaud I, a lot. Of, it's not even jealousy. Like I just applaud him. Like I would probably do exactly the same if I could, you know, do it, but I don't have Swing the, it, yeah. I don't have the guts and I don't have the financial resources. Uh, you know, I've got 500,000 subscribers. He's got fucking 50 million. I don't even know how many he's got these days. So it's a different ball game. And, and that's why you can't ever, uh, judge, but the audience lumps us in the same group. The audience says, well, you do the same thing. You make the same content. Why yeah. can't you go and do X, Y, and, and I think, unfortunately, fortunately, unfortunately living in this world and operating in this world. And yes, I have a decent amount of resources to buy very expensive cars, but we hang out with people. I hang out with people that are infinitely more wealthy yeah, than myself. Depressing. Like I didn't well, hang depressing. out like day to day all the time, but like I have friends and people I know that have got a lot, lot, lot more money. And you come across people that have got a lot more money and people are buying stuff left, right and center. Yep. And it's, we, we've talked about this before, this sort of pressure to, we live in this world of supercars and hypercars. So you're like, Oh yeah. Okay. Maybe I should buy a blah, 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 blah. And you go, well, actually is that sensible or should you have seven cars or whatever all of those things and then every now and then i try and check myself ideally before buying something and i haven't bought anything in a while so i've managed to successfully do this and go okay but like you really want to buy this car this car costs x amount of money and you might finance it or whatever but either way you're committing to spending this amount of money however you get there in the end if i gave you this amount of money what would you do with it? Yeah, what else? And the could answer you do? is is often not buy a car. Yeah. <laughs> or I would buy I'd go like, actually, there's this really cool project car I would love to do. Like something, you know, I don't know. The one I looked at them recently was like, I kind of like an E30 M3 that's nice. like sorted and a bit lols. Nice. Yeah. And, I mean and you look at and you look at that and go, well, that would be significantly less than 150 grand. And you'd have all of the fun of doing the stuff or whatever. And you just look at all of these other cars and you go, oh yeah, I don't, I'd, rather than buying this new modern, super expensive thing, which I would love, there is so much other fun stuff. Even just like, oh, I could go on holiday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, that, that's exactly it. And I, but I think, 
you have to go through that experience, you know, like totally, you know, you, you have to go a bit crazy and a bit mad to then go, actually, maybe it's not whether, cause, cause as I say, when, when I was a working a desk job, nine to five, I dreamt of being able to go and buy supercars. Mm. And I thought if I had any money, that's all I'm going to do. That's all I do is spend money on cars. And you know, it's five years later having bought and sold a, a few that I'm like, well, actually I'm spoiled. I get to drive stuff. If I want to do a road trip in a Cayman GT4, I could probably beg and plead Porsche UK <laughs> to lend me one. At which point I then saved myself a hundred grand. Um, so yeah, it's a, it's a spoil and a different world we live in. And I think if I wasn't doing YouTube and I was making money elsewhere, I probably would still be, you know, spending every single mm. bit of money on, on a bigger car. But uh, nowadays I get my thrills from, yeah, things that don't make me, don't keep me awake at night financially. Because, yeah, that was, that, was, that has helpful. been a horrible, it's very yeah, a horrible situation. <laughs> Thinking how on earth am I going to make that payment for my car next month? Uh, and yeah. also just like doing things. I, I actually, nowadays, and I, I probably should just sell everything, start from zero and, and go back up again, but, and use the money for something fun or whatever. And then, doing fun things with the things you own. Yeah. Like, like you did a round the world trip. You could take, like, let's say for the price of uh, whatever, F8, you could buy a 50 grand car and travel for years. That's exactly like, there's a part of me, which is, you know, uh, as and when COVID is long behind, this is so far away now because of COVID, but, you know, <laughs> buying a, a Defender or... I'm trying to think of something else which is cool in that kind of bracket and really kitting it out and driving the Americas, you know, the, the yeah. very, very North of Alaska to the very, very South of South America um, in Patagonia or whatever. So, you know, I'm like, that would just be, that would be it. And uh, the kind of budgets that I look at for that. Yeah. At the same price as looking at going and specking up a Roma. Cause that was what, I mean, yeah. that's an experience you asked about driving. I really, really loved that Roma and, you know, spec one up, it's 200 grand straight away. And yeah. I just am thinking 200 grand. Firstly, that's my studio apartment in Monaco. Well, not, yeah. not Monaco, but the South of France. Or that's, yeah, that's my adventure. That's my next adventure. Why am I going to do it on one car that, that at the moment I can't even drive anywhere or do anything yeah. with? So uh, yeah, it's hard to justify. But three years ago, I was justifying it very easily. So totally. Yeah, it's totally. Weird, how, weird how times change and mentalities change. And it's not, and I think more as, as, as I realized that the performance has got to a point where it's sort of nutty and it's not, it's, we've got past the more is better. It's, it's not necessarily more is worse, but more might be very similar. Yeah. Um, like 800 horsepower versus 700 horsepower in a real drive car. Good <laughs> point there. Sure. <laughs> yeah, both, really both, both are going to kill you. So <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. One just a little bit faster. There we go. Um, but there's so many cool, interesting cars at all price brackets. Yeah. Like I still, I'm very limited by space and stuff like that, but I would love an E46 M3 for a bit. I think they're just cool. Fair. And I kind of want to have one. Yeah. No, I, like, I want a C43 cool AMG wagon, the original boxy mm. one. I don't know why. I just want it. Like, you know, hey, I mean, it's going to be awful. It's not going to work, but I just want it. Um, I, go on. I always see um, whenever I'm at Merlin's, he's always in something stupid. Oh, mate. Like, and he just drives it a little bit, whether it was his Cosworth Mercedes I can't remember the name of it. That was very cool. It's dangerous being here because I, <laughs> my window looks out onto his parking lot and he's got a Clio Williams in at the moment. Yeah. He's got a Gen 1 CLK 55 with the 5.4 V8. He's got a, a E, help me out here, 
the M5 wagon, the second generation, E E third. Don't know. I don't know my numbers for yeah. most of these cars. Anyway, 38? so 38. 38. That's old. Old is 30. It's quite. Before 46. 38. Yeah, it must be 38. E30. No. Oh, anyway. He's got a lovely old M5 wagon. <laughs> there's been all these bits and I look at them and the thing with, with his cars is they're all kind of 20, 30K-ish or less. Yeah. And I'm like, oh my God, like I want that. I don't know why, but I just do. And that's the stuff which really excites me at the moment. You know, old Alpina wagons and, and quirky yeah. little bits and bobs. And, 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 you know, I get far more excited about those cars, those journeys. And that's definitely, you know, our our age coming through because if you look at the cars that trade for huge amounts of money, uh, people in their seventies who've made a ton of money and can go buy the cars from their childhood. And, you know, fingers crossed, we get to 60 years old and we've made a a chunk of cash. We are going to be going and buying LaFerraris and 918s and P1s just because we are, you know, that's the cars that right now, or maybe five years ago, we were going crazy about. And so if we've suddenly got the money to do so, you're going to go, yeah, heck, why not do it? And so for now I'm lusting after the cars that I grew up with that, you know, when I was. And uh, I think you always will. Yeah, you always will. That's exactly it. So that's what I meant about earlier saying I don't want to slag off new cars too much because I'm sure there's a 12 or 13 year old boy or girl watching my content lusting after an F8. And if I get, oh, it's just too much power, they're going to go, well, you're out of touch, mate. Bugger off. <laughs> Wait, and we are, we are on that level. We are. Like, yeah. Agreed. Agreed. They're not our supercars anymore. Unfortunately, I think the cars that are the supercars when you're in that formative period of like, whatever it's 10 to 20 or something like that, like they stick, they really stick. And if you said, if I built like a 30 car garage or something, even like a 20 car garage, the cars that would go in it are the sort of 2000, they would start in the, I'd start in the sort of 2010 era and be like, okay, my GT3 RS, I would have a speciali. Like there's, there's loads of cars from that 20, 30 year period before I would go any older. Yeah, then, yeah, yeah. My sweet spot is 95 to 2010. About <laughs> okay. 15 yeah. years, there are hundreds of cars that I'd buy in that window. I mean, hundreds. So yeah, it's just, you know, as you say, it's sort of, we're just old. <laughs> and it's very easy to get drawn into the sort of top trumps element of it. Like, you, I, we, the more I know about cars, the more I realise that certain cars are more special if for whatever, like it, whether they're rare or whatever, than others on paper. And, you know, a certain car might have amazing history and that's why it's expensive and whatever. And I can see why people with all of the money, like Bill Meyer or something, that collection is literally just the most significant cars in the world ever, ever. And I've got the 20, like, oh, I got a Cobra. I haven't just got a Cobra. I got the first the Cobra. Cobra. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that sort of stuff. Yeah. And I see how if you've got all of the money and probably not tons of time, that's, that's, that's how you end up there. Yeah. But there's no re like all of these cars, whether it's, yeah, the, all of this old stuff is still cool. So cool. And so good. I mean, that's the other thing which we have to remember, like, you know, especially looking at that era, which was, which was our era, some of the stuff that, that has, that, that came out really is brilliant bits of kit. I mean, you know, GT3 RS 4 litre as an example, mm. 599 GTOs, you know, uh, things like that really. And I say Mercy Largo SV, yes. they're properly special bits of kits and okay, fine. They are, they are let down in certain areas. Maybe they're not as technology, technologically advanced. The gearbox is the main thing that unfortunately dates most of these cars, but 
they are also amazing and they offer so, so much and therefore they should be celebrated. Whereas if you're buying a car from the 60s, it's a very different story and you're having a very different experience. But if you turned up to most mountain drives in a 599 GTO, you're going to be having as good a time as someone in an 812. Um, oh, for sure. And that's that's the whole thing. And, so, and, and I definitely do appreciate a lot older stuff now a lot more mm-hmm. and the experience of driving an older car. But there is part of me that loves certain elements of and certain elements of modern cars. So I'm I was having this debate with a couple of friends yesterday of like a rest. We, we were looking at Alphaholics GTAR. Nice. That was the, the the topic of the actually it was spawned by the fact there is a singer on collecting, collecting cars, cars at the yeah, moment for yeah, sale. Yeah. And everyone was and one person was going. I just don't understand why you would spend that. It is a lot of money, a crazy amount of money. But like, why wouldn't you just buy a two point seven RS or a three liter RSR or, you know, something. Okay. You probably wouldn't get one of them, but like sure, something I'm with, with some you. history yeah. that's like iconic, cool of its time. And let's say that we were talking about alcoholics and you're saying, well, you could buy an original GTA, blah, 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 blah. Monte Carlo rally official rallied oh, yeah. and one Monaco and whatever. And then you would have a piece of history. That's also kind of fun to drive. And, the back and forth was like, yes, I understand if you have, if you have like a 50 car collection, then maybe those, that's where you start ending up. But if you've got two cars and this is your sports car, I'm in the camp that it it needs to be able to, it needs to be usable. And for me, I know other people will have different opinions. Other people are like, oh yeah, I have a 1930s Bentley or something that's totally usable. You're like, well, for me, I quite like to be able to have some music on yeah. without having my headphones on or maybe aircon. Like don't need tons of stuff and maybe some modern Olin suspension rather than this crashy stuff. That for me improves the driving experience. That's exactly it. I think, you know, it's about, you want the emotion, you want the feeling that you want the sensation of being in something old but you want the safety, the improvements, the the security in your driving experience that firstly, it's not going to constantly break down, that it can stop when it needs to, that it's it's the best version of itself. You yeah. know, that's that's always the case. You know, we always learn more as humanity and our, our technology has moved forward so far that, you know, if you can have an alpha GTA, but with so many components that just make it a better version of itself, Exactly. then why wouldn't you? I think sometimes these resto mods can go too far and they end up being a retro shell on a modern car, at which yeah. point you're not. But if you're literally taking the same ethos and, and improving, uh, you know, like, like the singer is uh, an interesting one because I think it's now so far from actually being the original, you know, it's so far from being an original 911, if you know what I mean. It's such a different yeah. experience. It's really a modern car, but that's also got its appeal, as we've seen. You know, the, the people like it's that's more about look and feel, I would say, than necessarily harking back to a to an old and golden yeah, era. Yeah, it's, it, it's almost too new. I know it's yeah. not new, but it's almost too new. It's too, whereas it's something like too eagle, eagle E type. Yeah, there you go. I don't think anyone will ever drive an Eagle E-Type and go, you know what? We've gone too far here. Like, this is crap. Like, you can spec the engine. So on any of these cars, your 250 short wheelbase from GTO Engineering, you can decide which engine you have. You can have the original spec or you can have more horsepower. But other than that, with your Eagle, everything else is better. Like, it's everything else is just 
you just want to just want some people will it. say that might be worse we're like yeah but is it though like going down a road in a really sketchy way is not fun. No. Going around. <laughs> no, I mean, my first ever E-Type experience, I remember, you know, what an iconic car to drive in. And it was at a, a Concours event at Windsor Castle. And I was, I was being filmed for something like ITV show or something, something weird. And they literally threw me in it last minute. I had no idea. And the Jaguar mechanic comes up and goes, you're a bit temperamental, this one. So uh, it will backfire a lot. And if you don't go in gear, just give it loads of revs, mate. Just like tons of revs. And I was like, well, he goes, you'll be fine. Just loads of revs. And so off I'm going, I'm delivering my piece to camera. And I go, oh, and here's the, here's the Windsor Mile. Let's do this. And I try and go, <laughs> and I'm going slower and slower. And there's Ross Braun in a 250 competitor only behind me. And I'm like, what the hell? And I just hear like, loads of revs, mate. Like, you know, <laughs> and I just go, <laughs> on this E-type, it suddenly slots into gear. And I just fly down the way this puff of smoke being like, well, what have I just done? That was not an enjoyable experience. I absolutely pooped myself. I thought I'd broken yeah. this kind of, you know, historic heritage E-type and I was stressing and I was sweating and I didn't fear and all these different elements. And okay, fine. It was funny and cool and unique, but, but I, it's nothing I want to do on a Sunday morning. I want to be able to get up on a Sunday morning and go out and drive and be home by 10 o'clock for my coffee to hang out, watch my TV and do whatever. And these resto mods, if they're done correctly give you all of that feeling that sensation of an older car uh that maybe modern cars don't but with modern reliability security safety yeah. whatever it might be which which i i think is a win but, but there's definitely you're right there's this fine balance at the moment between going going too far um it and and it also as you say it depends on the customer if you've got exactly 50 cars and tons of money you're going to want the racing heritage history and also just the mindset it's like, you know, everyone's different. And I, I, it still dumbfounds me every now and then that people are different to me, but yeah. apparently it is the case. Well, like, that's a shocking, isn't Each it? to their own. And you yeah. look at stuff and you go like, I wouldn't have that, but no. they definitely wouldn't have anything else. So there you go. That's anyway, the beauty of it. Not one is not better than the other, but it's great that these things exist. They're just all, I think it's very easy for people, whether it's now, nowadays with finance and stuff like that on, on anything, watches, whatever. To just go like, dun, 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 dun. even houses, just like, oh, I need a, you're looking at a house and you always go and see one that's a bit more expensive and you're like, oh, but that would be nicer. And you're like, yes, but is that debt going to be nice, nicer for the next 30 years of your life? Like, yeah. possibly not. Possibly, po- probably, definitely not. <laughs> probably not. I hate yes. debt. <laughs> Damn, we've, 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 uh, we've ticked for a bit of time. There we a go. bunch of other questions, but you know what? Another time. No, another time. An excuse to, to come back. Well, hopefully, as I say, you can come and visit me here at some point. And, uh, I will. And um, so I, I normally wrap this up, you may remember last time, with five questions. Oh, yes. Since you've done the five questions, I'll give you some questions that are the same. But sure. some of them were, were sort of one time. Okay. Five car garage, unlimited value. Uh, do I, <laughs> this is the most expensive cars on the planet let's, and ignore everything we've just said yeah yeah uh, let's, let's totally change this around uh, so yeah I'm going to say it Bugatti Chiron 599 SA a per, no 599 G F12 TDF so sorry what I said Bugatti Chiron <laughs> Bugatti Chiron F12 TDF <laughs> 911 Speedster um, Challenge for Dali and Bentley Continental GT I mean, that's nice. literally not what I'd buy, but that's the answer to the question. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. All well within that time scale that we were talking about exactly. pretty much. Yeah. Okay. I need to drive one car for the rest of your life. And I had a 500 pound banger on the side. Uh, Ferrari Enzo. Oof. 
Oh, <laughs> I, I, I need to drive one, but I don't like that car. Oh, well, I almost want to end this podcast right now. <laughs> go, go on. But, uh, most undervalued car at the moment. Oh, that's a really good question. Most undervalued Lamborghini Gallardo Superleggera Mark 1. Oh, what do they cost nowadays? Uh, uh, realistically around 80 or 90 grand. You know what? Yeah, I get that. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's my shout for that car. Um, this is beauty. I was the, last year. I was supposed to buy that car. That was my aim for 2020. Mm. And then uh, yeah, COVID came along, and we and I've ended up with a 911. Um, oh, but, <laughs> but yeah, it's super cool car, and blows my mind that they are relatively affordable considering how limited and special they were. Yeah, there's there's some cool things. What was I looking at yesterday? Uh, Gen One AMG GTR. Oh, nice. Nice. It's like, it's, they're like a hundred. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Like, that's, just, that's just a cool car. Very cool car. Very cool car. Right. Final question. Most oh. interesting car to you at the moment? New car that's out at the moment? It doesn't have to be new. Oh, just like in your head. Well, I'm going to say what about. I was just, uh, Boxer Spider. Bo- 718 Boxer oh, Spider. Oh, Gem 1. No, or 718 no, one. brand new Boxer Spider. I drove one, wanted to love it, didn't really like it. And now I can't stop thinking about it. So <laughs> it just baffles me. I don't really know why. Um, and, and, you know, there are definitely lots of other cars out there that I'm thinking about at the moment, but I was talking to somebody about that last night. So it seems appropriate to bring it up today. Yeah, fair. I've not driven the, the new gen of either car and they sound a bit. The engine is super unengaging. It, it's just a weird engine and it, and it really only comes to life seven to 8,000 RPM and it's long geared like all of those cars. So most of the time you're just a bit like, oh, come on, come on. But then, but then I've heard them and, and I, I, I normally fundamentally disagree with this statement, but I've heard them with an exhaust that removes bits and they sound significantly more engaging. But the problem is, and, I've, and I know somebody who owned the GT4 718 and he did the exhaust mod and he said it didn't solve the problem. It was a, okay. a, a month or so of like, okay, now it sounds good but it's still the way that the Lazy. engine delivers its power. It's just a yeah. bit dirgy until you really, really get on it, at which point you're doing silly speeds in second gear. So, you know, even though yeah, you've got a soundtrack, gearing. the gearing doesn't help. But, you know, that's a prime example of everything you were saying earlier and a nice way to wrap up, uh, holistically wrap up this podcast. <laughs> uh, I went into it wanting to love it. And because it didn't live up to my immediate expectations, I immediately started to hate it. Do you see yes. what I mean? As in, I, my expectations were so high. The fact it didn't meet them, I was like, well, therefore it's crap. And now with time, I'm like, maybe I was a bit too harsh. But then also, maybe because it's been so long, I'm making it up in my mind. Maybe it's beer goggles now. Maybe I'm going, oh yeah, it wasn't actually that bad. But actually, I got to remember that I didn't like it. So what am I doing? I don't know. I have to really hold back. Sometimes This is exactly what we're saying about the F8 and all that sort of stuff. I had a GT4. In fact, you drove my GT4. Yep. Drove that car, drove my GT3 RS, was like, this is a much more modern, nicer experience kind of car, like from a more modern point of view, but the engine. And then, and that's when I was like, ah, unfortunately, I just can't like this. I I can't gel with it because I've experienced the level above in terms of an an engine experience. Mm -hmm. And whenever you drive one of the GT3s, the engine is that's that's the price of the car itself. It, that's exactly it. And if you drive 911 Speedster and Boxster Spider, that that's the difference. That's that's yes. where it stands out. And 
And Box the Spider, it's beautiful, I think. I love, I owned a 718. I love the way it looks. I love lots of elements about it. It is a better car than its predecessors, um, but it's not a car that I lusted after more. It's not a car I wanted more. And, and I have to remember that, but for some reason, further down the line, I'm sitting here going, oh, maybe I was a bit too critical and oh, it looks really good and what a sort of affordable car for that kind of experience. But as I say, I, I think it's beer goggles, but it's definitely a car that I seem to be thinking about a lot. But then again, again, to think about everything we said, 90 grand, think of all the other cars you get these days for 90 grand. And suddenly I'm going, well, hold on a sec. I could get about four other cars from 2000 that I want uh, for that much money. So yeah, it's, it's a weird one, but it's, it's, a, it's to answer your question, it's a comp. And everyone is at their own place in their own journey. And it, one is definitely not necessarily better than the other, mm-hmm. but like my judgment of cars is based on my experience and my usage. And I met someone recently who he was like, what do you do? I was like, oh, you know, involved in cars and other stuff. And he was like, oh, my friend got a Cayman GT4 recently. I was like, oh, how was lovely, it? Lovely. Cool. I'll talk to you now. I was uninterested and, a second ago. But. And, and he, um, he was like, yeah, when we got on the motorway and he just like put his foot down and it just kept pulling and pulling and pulling. And then it, it was so quick. And I was like, oh, that is amazing. Like, I, 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 I can see that you are genuinely having this experience. And I feel a little bit of sadness inside me. If I get in that car, I will not have the same experience (laughs) you've had. It's awful, isn't it? It's awful. We're so spoiled. We're so spoiled and totally, yeah, blinking and and blindsided. And yeah, it's, um, uh, that's the one thing I hate about, not hate, that's so strong, but the one thing, it's a frustration. If you ever work with anything you're passionate about, you become jaded. You just do. Mm. We're too too exposed to amazing stuff. So um, it is my video is just cameras run out of battery or something. So well, that's good perfect timing. That is okay. But, um, thanks very much for, thanks very much for coming on the podcast. Thanks for having me back. I really appreciate it. And yeah, fingers crossed. We'll be able to, to meet up and do something face to face soon enough. Sweet. Awesome pal. Hi, I'm Daniel founder of pretty litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created pretty litter. A health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.